It's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He is social distancing at home. I'm social distancing at home. And if you haven't heard, CBS Sports is partnering with the Atlanta Tip-Off Club to the point where the Naismith Awards are being announced on CBS Sports HQ. And we're going to be recording short podcasts each day highlighting the winners. The Men's and Women's Defensive Players of the Year, that was Wednesday. The Men's and Women's National Players of the Year, that's going to be on Friday. Today, it's the Men's and Women's National Coaches of the Year. And the winners are, drumroll please, South Carolina's Don Staley and Dayton's Anthony Grant. No surprise, really, on either side. Let's start with Don Staley. She led South Carolina through a, to a 32-1 and record. They finished number one in the AP poll. Trivia time, Norlander. Oh, one minute in. Throw it at me. What's the only team to beat Don Staley's Gamecocks this season? All right, I know it's no one in the SEC because Dawn Staley and her Gamecocks went undefeated in the league play and and oh, ended the season 26 game win streak. That's this is this is a factoid GP, not even a trivia time for you. South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball had the longest season-ending win streak of any D1, D2, D3 men's or women's team in college basketball. In terms of who beat South Carolina, uh, I can't. I don't know. Did did UConn get them? That's my blind guess. It was the Indiana Hoosiers, seventy-one fifty-seven, back on November twenty-eighth. And then, yes, you are correct. South Carolina closed with twenty-six consecutive wins. They were number eight in the preseason AP poll. Finished number one in the final AP poll. Shouts to Don Staley, your Naismith Women's National Coach of the Year. On the men's side. It's Anthony Grant, Norlander. Did the voters get it right? I think they did. I think you're going to say they did at least. Yeah, they did. I mean, we both voted for Anthony Grant. Wait, no, we didn't. I voted for Anthony Grant. You voted for Mark Few. Scotty Drew. Scotty Drew. Scotty Drew, obviously uh, a finalist here alongside Brian Dutcher and Leonard Hamilton. What do these four people have in common? They all coach their schools to definitively or arguably the best seasons in program history. Uh, I think that's undeniable about San Diego State. It, for the first time in the history of the Mountain West Conference, for the first time in program history, went longer without a loss. It was the last team standing undefeated in college basketball and was on its way probably to a two-seed and really had that one seed uh, on near lock until that uh, upset loss at the hands of Utah State in the Mountain West Conference. Baylor stumbled late, but still, uh, I've talked to Scott Drew specifically about this thing since the season ended. He did feel this was his best team and the best Baylor season ever. Uh, uh, and then Florida State, which has made a Final Four in years past, you remove that element from it. And Leonard Hamilton, uh, certainly this could uh, – it could or could not be maybe the culmination of the greatest four-year run in program history. But Anthony Grant is the right call here. Um, two losses, both of them in overtime, as we've mentioned plenty of times before in the podcast. Um, how about a trivia time? Okay, let's go. I mean, it's an easy one, but we'll let, let's entertain the masses here. And you can play along at home. So Dayton finished with two losses, no cheating. Who are the other teams in call? I won't even tell you how many. Uh, who are the other teams that finished with two losses in men's D1 this season? That only had two losses in Division One. Was one of them Gonzaga? One of them was Gonzaga. That's correct. Gonzaga actually had uh, two losses tied for Dayton with the fewest. And Gonzaga's 31 victories were the most of any team in college basketball. 
And then I guess the other was San Diego State, right? You are correct. Those are the three teams in men's D1 that had two losses. Uh, no one had zero. No one had one. And then in three, with three losses, you had your Kansas Jayhawks uh, and you had Stephen F. Austin, and yeah. that was it. It should be noted, San Diego State, best undefeated two-loss team in the country, clear-cut. Of course. Uh, that that kind of goes without saying. No, There's no doubt about it. And uh, certainly a lasting legacy there. And if you want to play the game of what if um, – had San Diego State won the Mountain West Conference Championship uh, and and gotten that victory, and it was a close game, uh, in all seriousness, I do think that Brian Dutcher would have had – he could have – I don't know if he would have won it for us, if he won it for meaning CBS Sports, if he would have won it for Naismith or elsewhere, but I think there, there would have been a real chance that uh, the Coach of the Year awards would have been more split across the country. We haven't finished all of them. The Wooden Awards are still waiting, but Anthony Grant is, uh, is coming close to running a sweep here. Um, I got a trivia time for you again, by the way, if come, you want it. Come on, come on. And by the way, no more uh, mentioning of other awards. We're loyal to the Naismith. Oh, I, I'm lo- and I'm loyal to CBS Sports Awards as well, if that's okay. I mean. That's fine. CBS Sports and Naismith, that's all we care about. Okay, there we go. So, um, Anthony Grant uh, kind of cut his teeth on the college coaching circuit, uh, famously under Billy Donovan. True. How many National Coach of the Year awards does Billy Donovan have? I believe zero. You are correct. I've I, I got an even better one for you. It's not even going to be a trivia time. It's just a... I wrote. I think I wrote a column about this one time, but as you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so somebody can Google it. I think this is true. Billy Donovan had two national championships before he ever won an SEC Coach of the Year award. That's <laughs> ridiculous if true, but if true, I did discover that he has won SEC Coach of the Year, or at least won Coach of the Year, three times. Correct. In 2011, 13, and 14. Wow. So he had two national titles before he ever won a SEC Coach of the Year, which shows you just how ridiculous it is, people, um, how ridiculous the voting is. It's almost like you have to, we have to have thought you were going to be bad, and then you have to have been good. It's really an overachiever of the year award. That's what coach of the Often. year ends up being. An overachiever, usually, an overachiever of the year award. Um, because we go, man, when that guy had that roster, he wasn't supposed to be good, but he was really good. And so what happens are the guys who put together teams year after year after year that are supposed to be good, well, then they don't get the awards. Mike Krzyzewski doesn't get the awards. John Calipari doesn't get the awards. And the reason is because we suspect they're supposed to be good, and there's only so much room for them to overachieve. And Billy Donovan was the victim of that um, at least two times. I mean, how in the world do you win two national championships before you're ever even your SEC coach of the year? It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, and we will. I, I got a couple more things on Anthony Grant, but just real quick for those who might be curious, like how does this how does this happen? Uh, just for reference here, you know. Billy Donovan made the, the the final four four times as as Florida's coach. The years that he made it were 2000, 2006 and seven when they won it, and then 2014. Really great Florida team that year, 36 and three. Um, that was his penultimate season. If you're curious from a Naismith perspective, the coaches that won that season on the men's side, 
You had Mike Montgomery at Stanford, which a great team for sure. Uh, you had Jay Wright with Villanova. Uh, that was a quality Villanova team, the, the four-guard attack. 2006-2007 was when Tony Bennett took Washington State to another level, so he got it. And then in 14, it was Greg Marshall uh, at Wichita State. That was, of course, the year that Wichita State went undefeated heading into the NCAA tournament. And if memory serves correct, uh, the voting for this wraps up before the tournament revs up. And so you have a, a combination of either a historic season like Greg Marshall uh, or uh, an overachiever. And then we don't have the tournament results to influence this and so that's why uh, that wound up being the case with Donovan with his four best seasons if you will in terms of where you ended up in the tournament with Florida he, he never wound up winning coach of the year in any of those years to underline the point I was making earlier I just went and googled Mike Krzyzewski real quick he has five national championships only three national coach of the year awards did any he of them had did any of those coincide no that's the funniest thing okay <laughs> he never won he never won national no 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 hold on yes I take that back. 92? What? 92. Okay. Okay, so how about this? In 92, 92 is the only year he won National Coach of the Year when he also won a national championship. But in 92, he was the National Coach of the Year, the coach of the national champions, but not the ACC Coach of the Year. Is it even guessable? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Can we find that? Who, who, who would have had ACC Coach of the Year – 92, I mean, I'm trying. I'll give you the school and see if you can even name the coach. Oh, boy. this uh, I, I I bet I can't, but okay, give me the school. Here's what I bet. I bet you can't, but then when I tell you, you'll say, oh, of course. Okay. That, that's the way this is going to go. Okay. The school is Florida State. I think I can get this. Just give me a second here. Florida State, 92. Oh, buddy. Um. See, there are some probably some ACC OGs that are like, oh, "Give me a break! This is so easy." And I feel like I know it, but I don't know it. Know it? I'm what if I tell you where this coach coached before he coached at Florida State? See, or it's... no, no, actually, where he coached after he coached Florida State. Yeah, then I think it's going to be more gettable here. Give me like another 15, 20 seconds to just work through this. You can play along at home in real time. That's all the fun of it. Florida State, 92. My brain is searching for guys that had some success in the 90s and into the into the 2000s. And it's just like one of these weird blind spots I have. Ah, I cannot call it. Okay, all right, give me it. Before this person coached at Florida State, yeah, he coached he coached Iona, and after he left Florida State, he he coached DePaul. Oliver Purnell? It's not Oliver Purnell. <laughs> <laughs> Op went from Clemson to DePaul. That's right. Oh my gosh, uh, that's not helping me, man. DePaul. And from DePaul, he went to Montana. And from Montana, he went to Towson. This dude would not stop coaching. <laughs> from Towson, he went to Pace. Oh, my gosh. You got me so twisted. I'm not even close then. I don't, I don't know. Who is it? Pat Kennedy. Oh, Pat. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I, I, I'm, I'm lost. I'm, in, I'm, 
I'm like a child that's wandered into a theater. I don't know what's going on. No, that's I don't have that one. Wow. Okay, Pat Kennedy. Um, all right. So, then. so Mike Shishetsky wins ACC Coach of the Year five times, but in '84, '86, '97, '99, and 2000, but he never wins it in any of the years where he actually won a national championship. That's what Coach of the Year awards about. Now. Credit to Anthony Grant for this, and I don't know how many uh, comparable situations in the past, let's just say 30 years in college basketball have been like this, but with Grant, you know, he gets the VCU job in 2006, and uh, prior to that uh, was an assistant for Billy at Florida, and uh, 06, 07 was that Eric Maynard, VCU, 11 seed, they upset Duke. And really, uh, that was a that was a, an upset people predicted at the time. Duke didn't have a good team, and VCU was thought to be a, a dangerous team out of the CAA, and certainly that wound up being the case. Wins 24 the next season, goes to the NIT, gets 24 again the next season after that, gets VCU to the NCAA tournament yet again. He goes from that to Alabama, only makes one tournament, doesn't win a game in six seasons, and I wouldn't call it a flameout. I would just say it was an average run, and it ran its course, and then he leaves. He goes to the, the the NBA for a couple of seasons and now we'll see you know Parrish we'll see what Dayton is next season the season after that the season after that Grant but gets the job at his alma mater and he has this almost U-shaped college coaching career at this point where VCU was was 28 wins 24 wins 24 wins two NCAA tournaments and NCAA tournament win over Duke good stuff Bama it's it's a dip they aren't relevant when he's there and now the first season at Dayton, they're going to take some lumps, but then 21 wins last season, and then you just an all-timer, 29 and two, the number one effective field goal shooting percentage team, the number one two-point shooting percentage team in college basketball, top 15 in assist rate, just an an offensive makeover to Grant, and to me, that's why he deserves this as much, if not more so, than anyone else in a good crowded field at the top. Uh, the way that he was able to adjust his coaching style, he was more defensive-oriented previously, and I don't know if it was because of the personnel or if he really did learn some stuff from Billy with Oklahoma City, but nonetheless, he's he's obviously deserving of it, and this is a, yet another example, another reason, another tangible thing. He's got a crowded trophy case of, if nothing else, Dayton will have all of this hardware to prove how great it was and how special of a season it was without even having an NCAA tournament to play. So I'm looking at this now, and I'm going to research it when we're done completely because, um, I don't know, now I'm just interested in it. But we've got a rare thing that has happened in back-to-back years with Naismith College, uh, Naismith National Coach of the Year. This year, Anthony Grant. Last year, it was Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Yeah. What is the rare thing these men have in common as they win National Coach of the Year awards? They're half-brothers. They are They are half-brothers, just like Killian Tilly and Jalen Crutcher. <laughs> um, that they were... <laughs> Rick Barnes and Anthony Grant were half-brothers. I wish that was true. I knew you. Just an off-speed pitch there for you, buddy. I knew you weren't ready for that. Um... Uh, they were both fired from SEC jobs, but uh, I think you're looking for something more specific. No, no, just fired. They they fired coaches. Okay. Like if you go back through it, okay, like it, it, this doesn't happen very often. All right, so 2018 Coach of the Year, Tony Bennett. 
Never been fired. Also, the Big 12 is not in the SEC, so I'm out of my mind. Continue. Like, <laughs> yeah, what am yeah, I like, saying? <laughs> what? Okay. okay t- Tony Bennett, uh, before, never been fired. 17, Mark Few, never been fired. 16, Jay Wright, never been fired. 15, John Calipari, never been fired by college. Uh, 14, Greg Marshall, never been fired. 13, Jim Laranega, never been fired. 12, Bill Self, never been fired. Steve Fisher, 2011, he was fired at Michigan, but that was scandal-related. 2010, Jim Beheim never been fired. 2009, won it be- without having ever – Jamie Dixon had never been fired. 2008, Calipari. 2007, Tony Bennett. 2006, Jay Wright. 2005, you had Bruce Weber at Illinois, had never been fired. 2004, Phil Martelli had never been fired. 2003, at the time, Tubby Smith had never been fired. Now, he's been fired twice since then. Yeah. But in 2003, he had never been fired. 2002, at the time, Ben Hallen had never been fired. I mean, this doesn't – It's that's a neat part of this. You know, when you get – and I could continue to go back. I'm not sure anybody else on the list ever won the award after after being fired from another Division One job. It go, the award goes back to 1987. First winner – of your national Naismith National Coach of the Year it was Bob Knight in 1987. It's a good good year for National Coach of the Year. Bob Knight on the men's side, Pat Summit mm. on the women's side. But I think this is a rare thing. Anthony Anthony Grant winning National Coach of the Year after being fired from a Division One job. So that's like another neat aspect of this. That is a, a neat aspect of this, no doubt about it. Um, and yeah, ha- having gone undefeated in conference play, only coach at men's D1 to do that this season, no small thing as well. Uh, in fact, um, I, we got this note and in the, in the, we were provided a research packet about all the finalists for this. And it says here, we can't f- look this up in real time, but maybe we'll have it uh, later or a listener can clue us in. The Flyers were the first team to go 18-0 and in conference play in the past 35 years. The exact wording is the Flyers were the first team in the conference to go 18-0 in conference play in the past 35 years. I wonder if that means in the Atlantic 10 period and if that would have considered like undefeated in the regular season and then ran through the Atlantic 10 tournament maybe? I don't know because 18-game league schedules didn't exist, I don't think, in any part of college basketball like in 1985. I wouldn't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but and nonetheless, it's an uncommon thing in general to run the table in your league. It's a, it's really GP doing that is almost there with winning a national championship because coaches will tell you when you're going up against these staffs, as particularly in leagues where the changeover in rosters isn't as high or as frequent, and you cannot get tripped up once. The the I guarantee you that Grant's contemporaries hold that achievement in particular in extremely high regard because this year being the evidence like you get you get hit at least once usually and that just didn't happen to Dayton well, I mean it's going to happen to you on the road it happens to almost everybody on the road somewhere and that was what was so remarkable about Dayton this season like you kept thinking I mean I, I, at least I did I had two thoughts on Dayton one they're they're clearly the best team in the A10 but two um, they're probably going to get caught somewhere along the way. And the place that looked like it might be late in the season, at Rhode Island. You're like, okay, that that might that one could get tricky for them. Sold-out arena, uh, bubble team uh, as, as your opponent. And they went and beat them dudes 84-57. I mean, just ran them completely off the court. Dayton was awesome this year. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. 
you know, the Flyers finished fourth at Ken Palm after being 55th in the preseason at Ken Palm rankings, and they were 50th in the preseason AP poll. They only got one point in the preseason AP poll. That means that means one voter voted them 25th. And as somebody who studies AP polls, I I knew just by noticing that I was like, there's got to be a connection there. So what that means is is like it's going to be somebody who works in Ohio or somebody who's tight with Anthony Grant. Like that that, that the if you get somebody like I'm gonna, I'm just going to throw this team in there at 25 and nobody else is doing it. There's usually some connection between the voter and the team or the coach or something. And so I went and looked up who it was Cecil Hurt, Tuscaloosa News, Alabama. Where Anthony, where Anthony Grant used to work. That's who had. That's the only person who had Dayton on an AP ballot in the preseason. He had Dayton number 25. You mentioned the other finalists for the Naismith Coach of the Year award. Uh, Scott Drew, Brian Dutcher, Leonard Hamilton, any of them. I, you could, If you said, hey, take five minutes, make an argument for any of them, I could do it, I think. Um, the one name that's not on there, really I think there's maybe four names that you could add if we were extending the list. Mark Few, mm-hmm. Bill Self, Pat Chambers, Steve Peichel. Um, but, but like self is an interesting thing. Now there's just no scenario where he was going to win national coach of the year, even though he had the the most accomplished team in the country, the team that was going to be the number one overall seed. But I will say sometimes we think because Kansas is always good that it's just like, okay, so Bill self had another great team. What's the big deal? Should we break down that roster? Like it's not loaded with McDonald's all Americans. It's not a Kentucky roster. It's not a Duke roster. I went through the starting lineup of, of, of Kansas's last game. It was um, Dotson, Moss, Garrett, Abaji, Azabuki. Devon Dotson, number 21 in the class of 2018. Isaiah Moss, number 248 in the class of 2015. Garrett, number 55 in 2017. Abaji, number 132 in 2018. Azabuki, number 33 in 2016. Starting lineup had zero top 20 recruits, only two top 50 recruits, and two sub-100 recruits, and it was the best team in the country. Like, that's coaching. That's development, and that's coaching. Um, I'm not arguing that Bill Self should have won, but I think he probably should have been more seriously considered than he was. You make a good point there, and with few having more, uh, the fewest losses, more wins than anyone now that he had the benefit of playing the West Coast Conference Tournament sure. in full, so that uh, that obviously goes toward that. And then when you really consider how much Gonzaga lost from a season ago, that's and and few admitting uh, to me earlier in the season for a story I did that he did not think that he was going to have a top 25 team in November and December, and maybe they could get it going like January, February. Well, that wasn't the case. This was one of his best coaching jobs overall. So, yes, Self, uh, certainly, uh, you know, they weren't hurting for talent, but it was not an elite-level team. Uh, we talked on a recent podcast, like watching that Memphis-Kansas uh, 08 title game. Um, that that team was had way more talent in 08 for Kansas than this one, but this was a really, really good team, uh, and that 08 team would have been favored. But, uh, you know, I, I think what Self and his staff were able to do with this group in particular was, was extremely impressive, and uh, as we mentioned on the Garrett podcast, the best defensive team that Self has ever had. So we will be back on Friday, tomorrow, with – a podcast on the Naismith National Player of the Year. That's correct, right? It is, and 
due to a tie in the voting, normally we had four candidates for coach, four candidates for defensive player of the year. Uh, National player of the year, we do have five. So in alphabetical order, they are Yudoka Azubuki, Luca Garza, Miles Powell, Peyton Pritchard, and Obi Toppin. Those, one of those five will take home National Player of the Year. Uh, we have mentioned plenty of times, we're not speaking out of class here, uh, in that it's you know Azubuki, Garza, and Toppin. Really, that it's a three-horse race in our minds. Uh, so I would anticipate one of those three will wind up winning that National Player of the Year award. And uh, nevertheless, that will be revealed on CBS Sports HQ at noon Eastern. And that's you can watch that on your phone. Any connected device, smart TV, cbsports.com, wherever you want it. Parrish and I will be gabbing with each other on that as we wrap up uh, a pretty cool week at CBS Sports and unveiling these uh, end-of-season awards. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle legend. Shouts to Larnell, please. Go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And if you get a second, you know, I, I'm at least walking around in this world mostly isolated but like every once in a while whether it's on twitter facebook somebody's like gp give me a netflix series to watch gp what's a good movie you've seen lately gp is there anything on television you're watching that could interest me because i'm bored i'm sure you guys are getting the same questions too so somebody ask about podcast tell one person even if it's just one person say check out the ion college basketball podcast with gary Parrish and matt norlander they might hit you with a trivia time out of nowhere mm-hmm. Go do that. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm here with Trey Scott, my co-host on the College Football Daily, a podcast from 24-7 Sports dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. Every Monday through Friday, from here to eternity, we are adding depth and context to the biggest headlines in college football. But we're also diving deep into topics like the Iowa Hawkeyes' secret sauce for developing NFL linemen and what the era of big money conference TV networks means for schools like Boise State. So if you share our point of view that college football has no offseason, subscribe to the College Football Daily now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.